Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to episode five of the Tomahawk Nation Hoops podcast. I'm Matt Minnick, joined by Michael Rogner, coming to you on Christmas Eve, December twenty fourth, twenty nineteen. This this is uh, we're, we're you know not quite the last pot of the year, but but coming up on it. Um, and we figured we'd go ahead and we, let's see. It's um, it's Christmas Eve. We're right in the middle of Hanukkah. Uh, folks are probably taking down their Festivus pole from from last night or a couple days ago. And so we wanted to, uh, you know, bring you some holiday cheer as well. Uh, Michael, let me ask you, what's your favorite holiday beverage? Oh, it's gotta be the hot toddy. My wife's, my wife's going to be making me here in about 10 minutes, I think. Hot toddy. What exactly is in a hot toddy? I haven't quite figured that out. I think it's hot water, a little bit of whiskey, some lemon and, uh, uh some honey, I believe. That does uh, anything with whiskey for me is generally a winner. Speaking of whiskey, um, I, I don't know if we're, we're, can we get sponsored by Trader Joe's or not, but if you get the Trader Joe's spiced apple cider, uh, heat that up, put a little bit of, of your favorite whiskey in there. That is a, that's a winner for me on the every other cold nights that we have in Tallahassee or every other third night that seems to want to get cold. And then are you a ham or a turkey guy? Uh, neither. Oh. <laughs> quail you bring <laughs> <laughs> i got i got a hot take the turkey turkey's just not good ham's fine um i like you know soups made with ham i'm not a big like eater of just like salty overcooked meat <laughs> well, what if it's what if it's cooked appropriately what if it's glazed in something no i'm sure there's a good ham out there and somebody can can write my my wrong here but I, I just, I haven't had it. So what is on the, well, I don't even know. Do you, are you celebrating Christmas tomorrow? Uh, yeah, I usually make like some sort of, uh, you know, every, every, every country has its dish of like all the crappy cuts of meat that you cook all day. And, and uh, so I'm making the French version this year, which is cassoulet, uh, which, which is, 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 is pretty good hit on Christmas. I... Don't even know if I can pronounce that, let alone uh, have heard of it, but it's, I'll take your word for it. Anything French is usually pretty good. Um, my wife's family is from, uh, they, they have some coast, my wife's mother spent a lot of time growing up in Costa Rica, so she's uh, making it. We are having ham, but she also makes this uh, uh, palmito pie, which is sort of a, 
you know, I don't even know, mismatch of various cheeses and meats, but it is, it is quite delicious and we'll be having that. Uh, and then of course I'm, I'm a big sweets guy, so I'll, I'll have several, several desserts. All right. Um, enough about, I'm already getting hungry here. So why don't we, uh, dive in uh, to the final podcast. We're going to be going over, um, we got a kind of a mix mash, a mixed bag of things here. We're going to start off with, um, Santa slash uh, eight crazy nights of presents for for various teams around uh, around the national basketball landscape, uh, and and then we'll talk about the same thing kind of at Florida State. Like if you could give Florida State one thing for the next for the rest of the year, what would it be? Uh, then we'll call, come back and talk about maybe the top seven uh, power ma- major high major conferences, if you will, uh, and kind of rank them and what we what do we look for when we think of a, a power conference uh, as we move into full-fledged conference season and then wrap things up with a little bit of Q&A. So um, let's, let's get started here. And the way this is going to work is we are going to do, uh, I'm going to say a name of a team, right? Any of these, these are random teams from around the country. Uh, and you, my friend, are going to say, if, if you were the uh, which, whichever holiday spirit God uh, that you want to be and could give them a gift, one gift for the rest of the year that would make them as successful as possible, what would it be? All right, you got it? All right, let's do it. Okay. Coming off with Kentucky, go. Kentucky, they cannot shoot the ball. I don't, I don't know what's happened. I don't know if there's a worse shooting team, high major, maybe like Georgia Tech, but they hardly count. Um, for uh, shooting threes. They can't shoot, so they need some shooters. Okay, we'll move it along with inept offense and go to UNC. They got to hope that Cole Anthony isn't paying too much attention to what's happening over at Memphis. You know, James Wiseman got hurt, and uh, he, he was also suspended, and he decided to just go ahead and go to the NBA, and Cole Anthony can totally do the same thing, and, and UNC's already a mess with Anthony, and they're done without him. If you, this is a sidebar question. If you were Cole Anthony, would you ever lace him up for UNC again? Not a chance. Okay. We're, we're on the same page there. <laughs> Not a chance. Why go play for a borderline NIT team where you could potentially hurt your knee and cost yourself millions and millions of dollars if you don't have to? All right. Uh, how about UF? UF. Oh, there's, there's lots of. There's, there, there's lots of gifts that I can make up for you just to, just to kind of troll them. But what they really need is their coach to nut up and just stop trying to please everybody. They, they've got a lot of talented guys, and he's trying to just let, let them all kind of do what they want to do, and he needs to rein those dudes in and, and, and get them to play the system. Maybe he needs to have a little bit of the hot toddies with the whiskey in it and just start <laughs> coaching games like that. Uh, okay, let's shift over to your, uh, your part of the world here and say Gonzaga. The Zags, they got the worst, that's the worst defense that Gonzaga has had in probably a decade. And it's going along with, with what might be the best offense in college. And, and, you know, one of the top offenses in like the last decade of of college basketball. So they're going to get bounced out of the tournament because they can't stop anybody. Ooh, early March prediction from Michael. I like it. How about the West Coast Conference rival of of the Bulldogs there and in, in St. Mary's? Uh, that's an easy one. That's the same problem every year. Is they they also cannot defend anybody. They they recruit all these kids from from uh, Australia that come over here and and they've played together their whole lives, but they're just not athletic enough to stop a team like Gonzaga or basically anybody. Well, let's let's talk about a team that can stop people uh, either by defense or just by holding the ball for thirty seconds. Uh, UVA. Oh, the Cavaliers. That's uh, they. Th- this okay. This might sound like hot take, but give, but give me a minute. So they've got the ring, they got the banner, and they probably should just go out and get a new coach because he's he's accomplished what they need him to accomplish, but they are impossible to watch right now. When when. Last year, when they had a great offense, they were super fun. Even though they they take the air out of the ball, but but now that they can't score, it's just super painful to watch. Is is it possible they had a great offense because they had Kyle Guy, Ty Jerome, and a certain lottery pick named DeAndre Hunter, who's balling out for the Hawks? 
Yeah, those are three NBA guys. I mean, anybody can have a good offense with those guys. So, so let me hold, hold on. Time, time out, time out. We'll take a 30 here. Is, is Michael Rogner, am I hearing you compare, uh, perhaps make, a, make an implicit comparison from Tony Bennett to one Jimbo Fisher right after maybe the 2013 uh, or 14 season for Florida State? Are you saying that it doesn't get better at UVA under Tony Bennett than what it did last year? I had honestly never made that that connection, but that's it. That that's it. It's it's nowhere to go but down for Virginia. So if Tony Bennett wants to wants to maintain his marriage and his sanity, he he should probably leave UVA it, lest he become the the basketball the basketball better looking Jimbo Fisher. Exactly. He is definitely better looking. I'll give him <laughs> he that. He is. I have no problem saying he is. He's he has a full head of hair. Um, so there, he's got that going for him. Okay. So there you go, folks. Uh, Michael Rogner is saying that UVA is, is FSU football circa 20, 2013. Um, I would I would, uh, maybe chime in here and say that UVA might give Kentucky a run for their money in terms of, uh, a high major conference team that can't shoot. Uh, we'll see what happens when Braxton Key comes back, moving back along. All right, we're back. We're back in here. Get, get your head right back in. We do a couple more teams here. Uh, keep it in the ACC with Louisville. All right, so we're on. We're on. We're on to coaches that are that are not attractive. On the on the. <laughs> That's the, correct. Yeah. Skeletor. <laughs> the ugly coaches here with Chris Mack, and I'm not giving them anything for Christmas. They got they got a totally complete team, and they're pretty awesome. Sounds like you're not too thrilled about our chances uh, up in the Yum Center on January 4th. Uh, we'll, we'll hit that on a future pod. Uh, keep it in the ACC again with Duke. I don't know, attractive or not with Coach K, but go with Duke. Yeah, they're another team that really doesn't doesn't need anything. The, the only thing that they need is to make sure that they get a good draw in March and they don't run into anybody as as talented as they are. You know, he's for the last 20 years – Coach K, who's done amazing things, but he's probably coached five games against teams that have more blue chips than he does. So, just to just get a good draw in March, and they'll be fine. All right, how about uh, how about our friend and former uh, FSU Seminole CJ Walker up in uh, Ohio State? Yeah, Ohio State. What I, I'm totally blank. And oh, Holtman, that's their coach. I, I don't even know if I don't I I can't I couldn't rate tell you his, what Holtman looks at. You're right. I don't like think that. I could pick him out of lineup. But they they just don't need to wake up. They're they're way better than I think anybody thought they were going to be. And Caleb Wesson like has suddenly turned into this guy who's like might be the best college basketball player in the country after just sort of, uh, you know, being around last year, which is, which is weird. And, and it's been fun to see, I'm sure if you're an Ohio state fan. Yeah, he is. He is just one of those dudes, right? Like there's each, not, and I'm not talking like Zion hype and stuff, but there's every couple of years, it seems like there's that guy, you know, Denzel Washington, uh, or excuse me, Denzel Washington, Denzel Valentine. Uh, now, now I'm thinking of the good looking guys, right? Uh, <laughs> um, Denzel Valentine was one. Uh, and it's just that Caleb Wesson has just turned into one of those dudes. Uh, I don't know what they would look like if he went down, but right now Ohio State finds himself uh, near the top of, of pretty much every rating system there is. Um, one more. Let's go back out to the Pac-12 area and, and talk about everybody's perennial underachieving coach, uh, Arizona. Yeah, they 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 are a lot like Florida State in that they get into these games, and it totally depends on how the refs are calling the game. You know, they just they foul a lot, and they're easy. You know, they're easy to to they put a lot of pressure on you, and they're easy to call fouls against. So they need some refs who are gonna, you know, swallow the whistle if they. Um, intend to to you know make a solid run through the Pac-12. All right, well there you have it. Uh, Michael Rogner demonstrating his uh, vast knowledge of college basketball across the landscape and and providing uh, gifts to to one team. It's to a plethora of teams. Speaking of Florida State, it's almost like you read the uh, episode notes here. Uh, let's let's do the same thing for Florida State, and we can each maybe spend a little bit longer here since this is actually an FSU Hoops podcast. Uh, what would you give to Florida State? Uh, you know, on tomorrow morning, if you could. The key is good health, especially to Trent Forrest. If Trent goes down, I've said it a number of times. This this team is done. So everybody just just 
do your little prayer for for uh for trent not to step on anybody's foot or anything weird to happen all right light light the menorah for trent's foot um let's let's take away i don't even want to go i don't want to jinx it right i feel like just putting that stuff out in the space uh is is bringing bringing speaking it into existence so um let's moving pivoting away from any potential injuries uh if, if it couldn't be health related what would you give to florida state you know tonight coming down the chimney and and stealing some of uh coach hamilton's cookies and and then give, leaving them something what would you give them well, I think I do want to jinx this one because MJ Walker, his three-point percentage has gone down each year. So he's he was like 35% as a freshman, 33 last year, and down to 32 this year. Obviously, a you know a longer three-point line. But so ha- have Trent start seeing the basket a little better is would would make a huge difference for this team. Yeah. So I will, I, I, I think I'm in the same uh, genre, if you will, but I'll say that I would love to give Coach Hamilton a, a, an Anthony Polite that was consistently confident, but in control. Uh, and so not, you know, walking that line between he's feeling it like he can take, you know, take those deep threes when we need to space out the defense and make them. I feel like he's he's started to show some range that we've seen in practice uh, previously, but not the Anthony Polite that perhaps gets a little bit out of control and tries to do things um, that are just not not in his consistent. You know, it's it's been like golfing when when you maybe you're a hundred and. Uh, 65 yards away or something and you you know you got to go over a small uh, body of water or perhaps a a sand trap and you think to yourself you know I I can do this I can stick this on that potion size uh, stamp green and and I can I can just you know put it within eight feet of the cup and the reality is maybe I can do that two or three times uh, you know out of out of ten but that's not the consistent smart play and I'd like to see uh, Anthony Polite playing with confidence, uh, but but in control and and making plays that are within his like you know you can make that eight out of ten times. Uh, I feel like that would giving giving Coach Hamilton you know an ability to play him for twenty to twenty two minutes a game would be a big big step moving forward. Um, anything with Patrick Williams? Forget Florida State. What if you could sneak into Patrick Williams' home and not steal things? Uh, what would you give him? You know, I can't quite figure out what that guy needs. I mean, he's 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 got seemingly everything. We just need him to kind of put it all together and do it consistently. You know, on an on a night to night basis. Hmm. So but maybe it, you know, giving him just a a little smidge of of Fiondu mentality. <laughs> yeah, Fiondu, or maybe he can he can. Uh, Take Raekwon Gray's attitude on offense. I like and, it. And and Raekwon like Gray can can maybe take uh, Raekwon Evans or something. I, I, you know what? I think you've nailed it. I think that is because because Raekwon Gray can can do some very impressive things, and he can also um, he can also kill a possession pretty quickly. Uh, bless his bless his heart. Um, so. We are. Uh, why don't we take? Why don't we take a quick break? I've, I'm being told there's a present or two that I need to wrap, uh, and and we'll come back and and talk uh, conferences. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right. Uh, we are here. Michael's uh, got his hot toddy ready to go. So I expect this podcast to go downhill pretty quickly. Um, but we let's talk let's talk conferences and you know there are some let me say this there are some good teams like Dayton Gonzaga St. Mary's that who who play in what we would consider mid-major conferences uh, and I don't want to slight any of those teams however 
for this conversation, uh, let's focus in on what, what I would consider the seven top conferences in college basketball. Uh, that's the, the Big Ten, the Big 12, the Big East, uh, and then you've got the ACC, the AAC, and uh, the Southeastern Conference, and the Pac-12. Those, those are the seven that I'd consider kind of high major conferences. Uh, do you, would you put them in a rank order or maybe a tier order, if you will, Michael? Yeah, tier one is, is Big Ten. They're, the Big Ten. This is one of those years that's kind of weird for the ACC and that we're not even in the conversation for mm-hmm. being – the, be- the best conference. And why, why is that? Why why do you think the ACC's down this year? Well, we knew the ACC was going to be down just because of all the guys that they were losing. Um, it was a record number of first round draft picks or something. Yeah, and then but the the sort of bottom half of the ACC I think is worse than people expected, and there's really only two, uh, you know, sort of powerhouses in Duke and Louisville. You know, Virginia, Florida State are solid, but Virginia's traditionally, at least recently, been better. Um, NC State and North Carolina, like one of those, you you, you don't see, um, you know, 12 games into the season, North Carolina having a worse record than just about everybody in the ACC. Besides, mm-hmm. you know, we always have to throw in the Georgia Tech. Sure, uh, sure. You know, Boston College. Caveat, right? Um, actually, Boston College, they have a better record than North Carolina. So... <laughs> Well, I, I, I don't know that I don't know that I've uh, watched them play this year, but I, I'm going to assume their their schedule hasn't been phenomenal. But uh, that that is a, a good state of things on the ACC, right? Boston College has a better record than North Carolina. And so, if you look at the Big Ten, you know, at at their sort of middle pack of teams, like they've got 12 teams that could go to the tournament. They've got probably not all 12 will, right? Not all twelve will, but but if you're looking at them, like which one of them's not going to make it? Sure. I mean, you like their bottom on one. Yeah, their bottom end teams are like Wisconsin. Their bottom end of their NCA teams are mm-hmm. like Wisconsin, mm-hmm. Rutgers, Illinois. You know, those are, those are all. Good I mean, teams. Penn State's pretty good this year. Yeah, weirdly, they're they're top twenty five on Ken Palm. Yeah, which is which is bizarre. They beat Syracuse. They beat Wake. They beat they beat Maryland, who's a really good team. They beat Alabama, which is no big deal. They beat Georgetown. I mean, if they've they've suddenly turned into a, a basketball program, and and that's what to me sort of separates them from uh, you know all the other conferences is that their sort of middle of the pack teams are are all you know potential tournament teams which means that if you're one of the elite teams in the big 10 and you got to go on the road and play one of those you know it's just there's not going to be very many easy wins um in big 10 this year yeah no and that's a good i want to get back to the so it sounds like just to recap here as we've sort of uh meandered around um the big 10 is in a tier by itself is what i'm hearing you say tier one um which, which I think I, I probably agree with. I, you know, the Big 12 is always interesting because they just don't have any bad teams, which, which maybe leads to the question of how, when you think about uh, evaluating a conference holistically, what are you, you know, some people um, like to look at, well, just who, who are your second weekend or Final Four contenders? Who can, who can realistically make the Sweet 16 or the Final Four? From that perspective, the ACC still has, you know, Louisville's a Final Four contender. Duke's a Final Four contender. Florida State can absolutely win two games and make it to the second weekend. I think even like an NC State could probably um, get hot. You know, Marpel Johnson's a senior point guard there, win a couple games, uh, make it to the Sweet 16. Um, UVA as well, just with defense. But is when now that we have these bigger conferences and 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 we've kind of had this uh, expansion and and you know switching leagues, do you look at you look at deeper than just the top three or four teams. You you look at like where can a where could a maybe an average team rack up losses? Yeah, I think what was it two years ago when Florida State got into ACC play and played like six straight ranked teams. That's right. They yeah they yeah. started off the season and they went like five and one in that stretch. Maybe it was three yeah. years ago. Yeah. Yeah that that's a great conference, right? You've got right. You've got. Team, what t- what it takes to be a great conference is you've got some teams at the very top, like 
Florida, like ACC has right now in Duke and Louisville. And then you've got this big suite of teams, you know, that are going to be competing for like that four to eight seed in the, in the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's, that's where the ACC is kind of, kind of struggling this year. Yeah. Compared to say the big 10 or yeah. even the big 12. Yeah. It reminds me of when the big East, I don't know. This is like circa maybe when UConn was winning some titles, 2010, that range. And they, they, I think they put in nine or 10 teams in the league, which are in the dance, which first of all, let's just say that putting in nine or 10 teams in a league in a dance is from any one league is, (laughs) is an impressive feat. However, they also had a couple of teams when uh, that, that just were atrocious, right? They, they had some South Floridas and DePaul's that would go one in 17, which allows some of those middle of the pack teams to find wins in conference play that, that keep their resume afloat, essentially. That they, they are able to, to chalk up a couple of road conference wins against just terrible teams. I, I don't get the sense that the Big Ten – and and maybe this is a good segue into the Big Twelve. Um, have those types of teams, whereas maybe the ACC does this year. Georgia Tech and some others. Yeah, so the Big Ten and Big Twelve are both, you know, pretty much stacked, almost top to bottom. The Big Ten does have Nebraska, Nebraska, which is, which is a really yeah, bad team, that's, coached that's, by Fred Hoiberg, which is kind of weird. Yeah, um, and, good co- and, and a great arena. Whew. Yeah, and then and Northwestern, which is always you know not a group that's like the the Boston College of the big of of the, of the Big Ten, um the Big Twelve. I think what what makes them tier two is that they they don't have the big group, um you know who are like potential top twenty teams. They have Kansas and Baylor, and that's pretty much it. Uh, maybe Press Virginia will get will get in there. Um, you know, Texas Tech is 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 down compared to last year, which is you know pretty obvious that, that that's going to happen. Um, you know, and then you've got like what Iowa State, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma. Like none of those teams yeah. are scaring anybody. Shaka's continuing to underachieve down with Texas's talent. They're a little better this year, but right. It, you but know, then they also, West Virginia too. Isn't that game against uh, Ohio State? Are they playing Ohio State this weekend? Yeah, Sunday. That that could be a that could be as we look at you know some of those barometers of if the Big Ten is the best conference and let's see what one of their top three or so teams does against maybe one of the top three or four uh, you know teams in the Big Twelve. Yeah, they they play um, Ohio State and then they open up the their uh, conference at Kansas. So <laughs> big know, stretch uh, for Huggy Bear. Yeah. Uh, so who's at? So we've got the Big Ten maybe at Tier One by themselves. The Big Twelve in Tier Two. Does anybody join in your mind uh, the Big Twelve in that second tier? Yeah, Big East is probably the the you know a slightly less good version of the Big Twelve. You know they That's have perfect <laughs> Butler and Villanova, which are you know which are sort of the the Kansas and Baylor. Um, and then you've got a bunch of teams that are that are good, but nobody's really scaring you, and not, and no terrible teams. Yeah, yeah. And, and then, then what about the ACC? Yeah, I'd put them in tier two. They've got you know Duke and Louisville leading the way, and then Florida State, Virginia are pretty good teams, and then you've got you know probably what separates them from the Big Twelve and Big East is that the you know ACC has has more teams, so there's you know more chances to have. Uh, good teams, more chances to have bad teams, but you know, so the, the range in the ACC is much bigger than yeah. in the Big Twelve or the Big yeah. East. But the, but if you're if you dial down to just those top top teams, it's like nobody has better top teams right now than than Duke and Louisville. I don't. Think. Yeah, I was gonna like Louisville's better than any team in either the Big Twelve or the Big East. Is that I mean, it's suffice to say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But the ACC also has more bad teams than either the big East or the big 12. If I were to press you and, and this is, I, I know, um, you know, going to really, really, I'm going to lock you in on this and hold your feet to the fire for it for the rest of eternity. But uh, if I were to press you and get you right now to rank those three conferences that are within that second tier, what would you rank them as? I'd go big 12, big East ACC, which I think is, is, uh, Interesting. You know, it's, it 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 seems a little stereotypical for anybody who follows Ken Palm because that's the way that they're ranked on yeah. on Ken Palm. But I yeah. but I also also think that that's right. I think I, 
I don't know that I can disagree. I, I, mean, I think I might phrase it like, if I were a top team, I think if, if my team was Louisville, I think I would probably say the same as you, Big Big 12, Big East, uh, ACC. If I was um, perhaps more like a um, NC State, I might feel like I, I pile up more losses in the ACC because I have to play Louisville and Duke and, and you know, even like a UVA. So I, it may depend on what perspective you're thinking of. Uh, but I do agree with you uh, that for this year, at least, the ACC is probably fourth or fifth uh, or fourth or so uh, after that Big Ten in Tier 1 and then the other two in Tier 2. Next year is going to be a different story with a massive infusion of talent coming into the ACC. Um, okay, so does that mean we're down to a Tier 3 then that, that separates from those, those three leagues? Yeah, we have, what, three conferences left? Yeah, the, uh, the Pac-12, the SEC, and the AAC. Yeah, well, the, the Pac-12 is – bad like they're they're not a good conference and the ace aac is probably about the same level as the pac-12 and i'm not saying that they're a bad conference they just got a lot of schools that aren't high major schools i mean if you've got east carolina and tulane and tulsa and you know south florida like you're you're, you you you, the american quasi high major conference yeah they've they've definitely got some big time schools connecticut you know sensi uh, Wichita State, you know, yeah. those, those, Mem- those are, would Memphis win? Let me, would Memphis win the Pac-12? Uh, no, I don't no. think so. Oregon with Wiseman, they might, but with Wiseman, yeah. yeah. And now that now that he's gone, or you know, Pac-12 has some good teams. It's 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 hard not to. I mean, somebody's got to be good on the right. West Coast besides Gonzaga, and or Oregon's a good team. Arizona's a good team. Um, you know, Washington. Stanford has, seems to be a bit better. Yeah, you know they 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 can't score, um, and they haven't played anybody. But they've got they've got a good record. I think they beat um, what was it Oklahoma? They beat them pretty good. So you know they're they're, they're solid. The problem with the Pac-12 is that once you get away from those top schools, it's just it's it's basically like the ace like ACC football. Mm. You know, if you look at Clemson and Florida State, when Florida State is good. Yeah. Like you get, you get a lot of free wins, you know, right. when, when, if, if you're a good football program in the ACC, you get a lot of free wins and the PAC 12 is the same way. They just got, they've got a lot of free wins for those top teams. Yeah. That makes that's I think that's a good comparison. Uh, and speaking of, of a conference that at least historically was uh, one powerhouse getting a lot of free wins, but it just means more, Michael, it just means more. Uh, where do we, where do we put the SEC? They're below. Let's just. They're below the Big Ten, Big East, Big Twelve, and ACC. Um, where do we put the SEC in comparison to the Pac-12 and the American? They're definitely the most disappointing conference. Every you know, every year the 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 talking heads, especially ESPN, because they're paid to do this. But you know, a lot of talking heads say that this is the year that SEC is going to, you know, really rise up and join the top conferences in basketball. And there's no reason that they shouldn't. They've got a ton of programs that are putting a lot of money into basketball. Big you know, time coaching high- hires lately. Exactly. And and not just coaching hires, but they're also, you know, they're renovating arenas. You know, Florida just did theirs. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, there's a ton of money going into SEC basketball. And this was finally the year that I think that people were really bought into that idea that they were going to be good. And then, nope. You know, Florida. I think they were better last year, actually. It, yeah, yeah. F- Florida's kind of kind of stinks. You know, Kentucky is not Kentucky. Tennessee has has struggled, and now they oh, lost, now they their lost Turner. Yeah, so they're they're who knows what's going to happen with them, and like those middle schools just aren't really doing anything. And Auburn might you know might be the best program in, in the you know in, in the SEC, and they're really not that good. I mean, they've played one top fifty team, and and. Uh, you know, barely beat NC State at home. Yeah, I I don't believe in Auburn at this point. I I I, I believe that Bruce Pearl is is uh, a a he is a good motivator, and uh, whether 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 you agree or not with his um, beliefs on bending the NCAA rules, he he knows how to find guys for his system that he runs. Um, so I you know. But I don't, I don't know that I've seen anything from Auburn yet. They can, they can just tell me one way or the other. Are they, you know, as as highly 
you know, as the good as their ranking would indicate. Um, the rest of the SEC, I mean, and yes, I know that South Carolina just beat Charlotte, beat UVA. Like we said, UVA has kind of got some issues right now. And frankly, the ACC is not even a top three league. So um, I, I don't know. I mean, are we think? Does Tennessee even make the NCAA tournament now? I guess we don't know. UF seems to trying to be turning things around, but they were supposed to be a Final Four contender. And right now, Kentucky has a net that's outside. I think the fifth top fifty. Yeah, there, there's, there's a lot of question marks there. I mean, you can go, you go down the whole, the, the whole list of teams, and there's question marks on, on every single one. And you mentioned South Carolina beating Virginia. That win for South Carolina is going to be really big for their hopes of making the NIT. You know, and and <laughs> UVA is going to probably be a top three or four seed. So you can only hang so much on a win on a win like that. I mean, South Carolina lost at home to Boston University. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't even Boston, know. I don't Massachusetts. I don't know what conference they're in. I don't know. I don't know anything about them, and they lost to them. At I do home. think I are they the Terriers? No, or am I? They are. Totally? Yeah, yeah, they are. I, yeah, that's that's all I got for Boston University. Actually, actually, just I attended a, a game at BU. I, I don't remember who they played. I don't remember what year it was, but I know that I've I've been to their uh, to, I've been to their arena, so I at least know where they are. Oh well. Nice. Neat story. No, just kidding. (laughs) Um, Okay. So I I think we've done, we've done a full, uh, full comprehensive work here on, on the conference landscape. I, frankly, I don't even know why the committee needs to exist. We could just go ahead and say right now, probably who needs to be uh, in the tournament and let's play. Uh, But that is not, that's not fun. So we will play conference. Why don't we, we'll, we'll revisit this maybe in mid January after league play has, has really gotten under underway across, across the country. Um, for the last segment here, we've been getting some more uh, engagement. I, you know, at least, uh, at least one or two of the couple dozen folks who have been checking out the pod um, have been sending in questions. And so I picked out two that I thought were, were good this week. Uh, and I want to, I, I know you commented on one of them over on Tomahawk Nation uh, in, in one of the good articles, but I, I get you get your thoughts here on the pod, and, and I might throw in a little too. Uh, so, first question here is looking only at the the individuals who are on the current Florida State roster. So, so Scotty Barnes does not count. Um, are, who off this roster? Would you, are you going to project as an NBA draft pick at any year, not just this coming year? All right. Well, yeah, Scotty Barnes getting drafted next year, so we'll just we'll hold on to that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Patrick Williams, I think I said this before. I think he's done enough to be a first rounder this year. I I don't think that he is in any way a lock. You know, last year with with uh, with Fiondu. It, the the word on the street is that there was a team at the end of the lottery that promised that they were going to take him if he was still available. He was still available. Um, they didn't take him. He did not go in the end of the lottery. <laughs> he, right, exactly. And he ended yeah. up, but it all it all ended up working out. But I, I kind of yeah, he's in a great situation like, out in LA. I kind of feel like that Williams is in that same kind of boat. Like he, there there might be a team that will that will just jump and take him if he's available because of his uh, skill level, but he also could easily fall kind of down to the end of the first round. And I and I wonder if you're Patrick Williams, if that really is the the feedback that you're getting at the end of the year. Do you do you stick around for another year or do you just go for it? And, yeah, and yeah, especially on happens. a team where uh, you would have another NBA. Uh, first round pick playing next to you to kind of take off some of that pressure, so to speak. Um, I, I wonder if that would be mutually beneficial for both guys. Uh, but so to, to the question here that Patrick Williams, regardless of what year it happens, he is an NBA draft pick. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. And then I think okay. Devin Vassell is the other guy who's a first rounder and that he he's, you know, he's more in the, in the, um, uh, the st- stick around for a few years boat like Terrence Mann. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think there's a 0% chance that he's here for four years. I think mm-hmm. there's a, there's a decent chance that he sticks around for maybe one more, you know, he's a young guy. He's, he's still learning how to kind of be the dude. Um, I do think he's going to be a first rounder. I just don't know that that it's going to happen this year. 
I would agree with you. I, I would say that Devin Vassell, if he, if the season ended today, uh, so to speak, like we do at the March resumes, I, I do not think Devin Vassell would be a first round pick. I do think he would be a draft pick in this coming NBA draft. I think he has all of the intangibles that you see these second round picks that have been recently making big impacts in the NBA. Um, but I, I agree that, he could turn himself into a first round pick perhaps later this year. And, and he could also stay one more year and probably lock that up. Assuming natural progression, he is really young for his grade. I, I think he's um, almost the same age as uh, Balsa. So um, is that, is that right? Yeah. Vassell is, is he 19? He, he turned uh, 19 just before the season started. Yeah, and Balsa is also 19. And then yeah. you've, you've got guys like Anthony Polite who are you know, tw- 22 right. and, and in the same class technically. Right. So, so Vassell, unlike Fiondu, Vassell wouldn't necessarily be hurt by that mentality of the NBA that loves to draft on potential because he could come back a year and, and still be only 20. Right. Um, so I, I think that that kind of plays in his advantage at the same time. Look, if the dude can get paid, go get paid. Um, so that's, I think we agree there that Patrick and Devin Vassell are both going to be drafted. Um, is there anyone else on the current roster that maybe not this coming year, but you think, you know, or, or this coming year of Trent maybe, but that would be drafted. No, I think that's the end of my list. I mean, I, I could see Trent, um, you know, maybe somebody t- just takes him in the second round. He's he's gonna he's gonna end up in the NBA. I think he's gonna uh, you know play some probably have a you know some time down in the D League and you know hopefully get some kind of two way contract. And I I don't know that it, he that somebody needs to draft him to do that. And then Balsa, you know, he's probably it's it's he's a, obviously tougher to to project because he's not playing very many minutes. But I I think he's probably going to end up in that same kind of boat. Like he'll be an NBA player, but you know, it, it'll it'll be a different path for him to get there than the draft. Yeah, I agree, Trent. Trent, of everyone else on the roster, I am most confident. Like everyone besides Devin and Patrick, I'm most confident that Trent will play in the NBA. Um, I, I watch a lot of the NBA. And there, he, he, he's a big guard who can defend and make plays for others. And that, I mean, you just described an NBA guard. Um, however, there's a whole lot of those guys who aren't being drafted right now because they're drafting people who are 18 years old and have a world of potential. Uh, so I don't know if he gets drafted either. I could see him wowing some interviews. Uh, he's just a great guy to talk to. And, and certainly as teams like the Clippers like to fill out their, um, their rosters with winners and guys who are committed to defense and committed to doing what it takes to be a selfless team. You know, maybe if they decided to let Patrick Beverly go and, you know, continue his career elsewhere, maybe, you know, uh, someone like a Forrest could be a good fit there. But um, I, I do think he'll play in the NBA. I, I, the other, I don't know. I Balsa. What about MJ? I, I agree with you on Balsa. You just he needs to demonstrate a consistent three. That's where the league is right now. If you can't shoot the threes, then you're probably not finding your space on the team unless you're an incredible defender. You know, like a like a Clint Capella or Montrezl Harrell. Um, and MJ, you know, he's just not quite big enough. He's not vacant size, but he doesn't have Malik Beasley's three point shooting. I don't know. You think MJ gets a, sh- a shot? No, he need, he needs to he needs to shoot like Malik, and I, I just don't see that coming. Yeah, I, I'll say this, and this and this. You know, first of all, let me just say that MJ Walker is another guy who could nail an interview. I mean, he he is the kind of kid that you want on your team, and I'm not surprised that his years at Florida State have coincided with Florida State winning a lot of games. The first, for the first time, when I left Tuck, uh, and actually after speaking to MJ uh, at the UNF game, after the UNF game, that was walking out of the stadium that night was the first time that I thought, you know what, if that player shows up consistently during the ACC season and then does that again next year, I think you could be talking about a second round draft pick. Um, will will that player consistently show up? That remains to be seen. Uh, okay. Let's go on to question two. Michael Rogner, as of December 24th, 2019, what is FSU's current best lineup? 
Well, I, th- I think the, th- the three of those guys, there's no discussion. It's Trent, MJ, and Vassell. They, there's that great picture from the, from the uh, was that the UNF game where the guy's going in for the layup at the end and those three are just like walled up around them. Um, you know, that's, that's the team right there, Trent, MJ, and Vassell. The, the, the other two spots, I think, are there, there is pl- pl- uh, plenty of debate. I'm going to go with uh, Patrick Williams and Raekwon Gray. And I think I'll, I'll hear your answer before I, before I talk about the reasons for that. Okay. Uh, so, yes, I, I totally agree that we don't even need to talk about Trent, MJ, Vassell. Uh, you know, did, did I want to think about Harrison Preto? Maybe. Maybe throw him in there. <laughs> but, uh, you know, while Trent, MJ, Vassell for sure. And then best roster. I – I think Patrick is on there for me for his versatility and, and ability to impact the floor defensively. I think right now I would say a, a consistent Anthony Polite. I, I, it's a really small roster, I know. It's a super small lineup, but I think if for the teams that we're playing, other than maybe UNC, I think we can make it work. Yeah, Patrick is the – you know, I wonder how much he can defend in the post against some of those bigger guys. And, and FSU's defense is, you know, they're kind of built to be able to play small, you know, because they, they front the post, they swarm mm-hmm. everything. You know, and and so. if you're pressuring so much, if, if you can't even get it across half court or make an entry pass, then it doesn't even matter what's in the – now rebounding would be an issue. But if you're generating that many steals like we are, I don't know. What's your thought? Tell me what you got, why you have Gray on there. He he's a tough guy to match up against. There's not if 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 I'm the coach on the other team, I'm not excited when Gray's on the floor just because I got nobody who can who can defend him at you know at some sort of consistent level. Luckily for the opposing coaches, he doesn't need to be defended that often because he put you know he puts up a lot of bad shots. But he also is the guy on the roster who just has the knack for doing lots of little good things um and he's also um big enough to give us a little versatility on the defensive end he's you know he's quick enough to guard a lot of smaller guys but he's big enough to you know to really lean on guys in the post and and you know in a way that that patrick williams isn't and i kind of like if we're if we're gonna have a small lineup i like it to be the big version of the small lineup you know vassell pw and and gray give us three guys who are like six seven six eight not like the villanova version of the small lineup Right, we can't shoot like Villanova, so right. there's you know yeah. there's only there's a, there's a liability to going too small. You, you may you may be convincing me here. Uh, I, th- I think I get I think I get frustrated that Raekwon Gray takes away shots sometimes from Devin Vassell and MJ Walker, and, and I want Devin Vassell and MJ Walker taking my eighteen to twenty four foot shots. Not I don't want anybody taking eighteen foot shots, but sometimes I have to be put up, uh, and I feel like Raekwon takes some of those away. Your point about his versatility and ability to um, allow us to switch all five is a good one. So let me let me add in here an addendum. Then, so if that's our best lineup right now, what if you could say that well, these players are functioning at their highest realistic capacity for for this season? So you can't, I can't, you can't say that Balsa is a senior playing now because that's just not realistic. But I think we could say that there could be improvement from now until March, what, what would you hope that the best roster would be? Or what do you think would be the uh, highest ceiling if that was our best roster? I'd probably swap out gray with, with Malik Osborne. I think he's got a little more, uh, uh, since he played in the post at rice, he's got a little more understanding of how to defend in the post. He's, he's really good coming off of, you know, when he's the, the, you know, sort of help defender, you know, mm-hmm. and, you, and you and you need that in Florida State system because there's a lot of need for help defense because we're we're so big on the perimeter that these guys get kind of blown by and and so Malik is sort of better positioned than Gray to to do that. You know, my problem with Malik right now is that he's just he's he's invisible. A lot of times you don't even notice that he's on the court, and with Gray, you you always notice whether that you know sometimes good, sometimes bad, and so. It, if Malik can can sort of figure out his niche, um, especially on offense, and then just be that versatile inside outside guy on defense, then I that I that's probably our best, you know, potential lineup. 
I, I like that pick actually. Um, and I do agree that he offers, he offers better shooting than gray, first of all. And, and if he, I mean, Malik is right now 35% uh, from three. Uh, but I also agree that he, I don't know. I mean, he, I don't want to say drifts because that implies that he's not dialed in, but he just doesn't always impact the play. If that makes sense. Um, I, let me, (laughs) this is going to be, I don't even know if it's a hot take. Maybe if it's a, if it's a hot apple cider and whiskey take. Um, however, uh, I think that if you told me that Dom would stop fouling, uh, he's, currently at seven fouls per 40 uh that's not good if he could get that to let's say five fouls per 40 or even five and a half fouls uh per 40 but he was able to continue to have his 16 percent offensive rebounding rate uh 11 defensive rebounding rate and uh just the the screens the the veracity with which he sets screens i, I think that's a you know, if, if it's Trent, MJ, Vassell, Patrick takes that next step in terms of really uh, kind of commanding the attention of the opponent sometimes. Uh, and then you, you put just like a garbage pail uh, like Dominic down there who's going to gobble up rebounds, draw fouls underneath, catch lobs and finish. I, I think that could be a pretty impressive roster. But, but right now he can't stay on the floor because he fouls. Yeah, and, and and I think that that could be a pretty impressive roster, but it's going to be a select group of teams that it's going to be impressive against. I mean, the problem is uh, we haven't quite figured out how to defend when he's on the court. Sometimes we're switching one through five. Sometimes we're switching one through four. And it just it creates a lot of uncertainty. And if you're playing a team that can shoot, then, you know, uncertainly leads to open threes and, so we just we just got to figure out that uh, you know lineup. Maybe that's maybe that's the last thing that that Florida State needs for Christmas. Going back to that segment is is figuring out how do you plug in these big guys in a more effective um, and consistent way, which we're just not getting at the moment. I like that. I like it. Bringing it full circle. That's good. That's well done, sir. Uh, all right. Well, we uh, it's probably going to be it for us for the next few days here. Going to enjoy some time with with families. Florida State comes back in action on Saturday, December 28th. Is that right? Is it Saturday the 28th? Um, and sure. yeah, sure. I, I let's We're playing North Alabama. Um, I tell you what, here, we'll do a preview uh, for that right now, real, real quick. What's the preview for the Florida State North Alabama game? You know, they have won two national championships, in case you're wondering. Uh, in basketball? <laughs> they have, yeah, but you did oh. not know that. I didn't either. There you go. Going up against two-time national championship winning North Alabama. Yeah, yeah they've they've only been in uh, Division One now for two years, so they're they're you know we're we're basically playing a Division Two team. And Great. I, I have a hunch that Florida State will win this one by a lot of points. So we're playing a, a newbie D1A team uh, at the Tuck, where we're like I don't know forty and or whatever. I think we've won like 38 or 40 of our last 40 whatever games. So I am going to say that the, the, I don't know, what's, I don't even know the nickname. North Alabama is receiving a lump of post-Christmas coal when they're coming into Tallahassee. <laughs> There's your preview. Um, all right. Uh, that, that's going to do it for us. Uh, thank, pl- please keep subscribing uh, or, or giving us a rating, if you will, and uh, keep following us on Tomahawk Nation. Uh, Merry Christmas and happy uh, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, and uh, we'll, we'll see you next time.